and welcome to episode number 129 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big bets, all the big news, all the big happenings in this crazy gambling industry, of course, at the Lions US, at PlayPix US for the main accounts on the Twitter machine. If you want to follow me and Brett, at Brett Colson, at Matt Brown M2, and of course, we are on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Go and subscribe, rate, and review. We really do appreciate all of that. No Thursday night football this week, guys, so we will not be previewing that. We will run down some NFL news and kind of give our takes on what we think moving forward that means for these certain teams, if anything. Of course, we'll talk the CJ Cup, which is the big golf event this week where it was going to be incredibly star-studded. It's still very star-studded, but we did have a couple of withdrawals there. Well, let's kick things off here, Brett. The NBA Finals are in the books. The Lakers win in six. They were a pretty massive minus 400 favorite to do this. LeBron cashes as the MVP, as most people thought that he would. About the minus 150-ish range. And it was one of those things where you and I were talking about this beforehand. We were saying, hey, look, if you didn't want to lay the massive series price on the Lakers, it is pretty, pretty, pretty likely that LeBron or AD wins the MVP and you were able to get a much, much cheaper price on those guys. So hopefully you tailed us there if you were looking to get in on the Lakers and didn't lay the big number. But the NBA finals, look, at the end of the day, Brett, I think we can both say was a huge Huge success, bubbled things up, didn't have people missing games due to COVID. And I think from a basketball aspect, we had a pretty good product. Dude, I'm not sure that could have gone any better, honestly. Like that was, there were, like, I can't even think of any negatives, really. I mean, there were some hiccups at the beginning with guys, uh, rumors of guys leaving the the bubble or just, you know, inviting people into the bubble. But once we got into the routine and the flow, especially once the playoffs started, it was smooth sailing and it was uh, a really uh, a great product and something that other leagues can learn from because we don't know that this pandemic is going to be going away anytime soon. So yeah, I, I can't say anything bad about anything that the NBA did and really no surprises. Once we got to the NBA finals, I mean, obviously, uh, Miami's path to the championship was unexpected, but you know, they just didn't have enough talent to match up with the big two on the Lakers. It's, you know, it is still a star driven league that hasn't changed and that will continue to be the build. So, uh, congrats to the Lakers. Congrats. If you had Lakers tickets, I know a lot of people did (laughs) for, for many months, they were just kind of sitting there waiting to see what would happen, but, uh, finally got there, uh, many, many months later. Yeah. I mean, when we take a look at kind of how this went down. I mean, you know, I think that it was, I think our kind of handicapping of this was, was pretty spot on for the fact that it was going to take LeBron and AD collectively having a bad game in order for the, the, the heat to win a game in general, much less win the series. Now we did see LeBron and AD both have pedestrian, one pedestrian game in the series, which the heat did win that game. Now they got another game in which, uh, you know, it wasn't a bad, you know, quote unquote, bad performance from LeBron or AD, but they certainly didn't stand out in that performance, which got uh, another game in there for for them. But I mean, Brett, at the end of the day, the game six, LeBron came out and was like, look, we're not losing this. AD played amazing. The role players didn't really even have to do much because they really just destroyed right then and there. And look, if you're a heat fan, I think there's a lot to be happy about. I think there's a lot to look at this season and take forward with you. But 
I mean, at the end of the day, when you have two of the top 10 players in all the NBA, it's just very, very hard to win a series against those guys, especially if any of the little ancillary contributors can give you anything. Yeah, and it's that very build that kind of makes next season interesting because there are a couple forgotten about teams like the Warriors, like the Nets that will have superstars returning. They follow this blueprint of like build from the top with superstars and suddenly now are again in the title mix. So, I mean, I'm hoping we get a little more parity at the top. The Lakers and the Clippers were all the talk. Obviously, the Clippers uh, ran into a really, really hot Denver Nuggets team during the playoffs. But yeah, I I would like to see some other teams in here and, and compete with the Lakers uh, a little more, a little more closely uh, in next season. So let's talk about that then. Nice little segue there, Brett, into the 2021 NBA season and what we're looking for from a betting aspect from the 2021 NBA season. If we take a look here over at DraftKings, you know, no surprise when we look at the very top, right? I mean, I think that everybody would assume that the LA teams would be coming in at the top. And that's where we sit right now with the Lakers at plus 350, the Clippers at plus 400. I will say this, Brett, Bucks at plus five with one, with what the East brings to the table here and what we saw from a collapse standpoint from the Bucks. I'm not betting any of these short shots anyway. That would never happen. But I'm just like, of all the short shots, late Warriors coming at six to one as well. Of all the short shots, the money where I would least likely to to spend my money, I mean, the, the spot where I'd be least likely to spend my money would definitely be on the Bucks. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Uh, this team just doesn't, they don't have it when it comes to playoff time. It, yeah. It's been year after year. And now with the uncertainty going in the offseason, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I don't see any value with the Bucks whatsoever. Now, the Warriors, people, if you remember, Warriors are going to be coming back full strength. And not only that, they hold the number two pick in the draft as well. So if you're wondering why the Warriors are six to one coming back full strength, the number two pick in the draft, which they might trade for a a veteran that can come in and help instantly. Maybe they like what they can get with the number two pick. Who knows? But uh, that's why you've seen the Warriors at six to one at the Nets at nine to one. If you remember, oh, yeah, the second best player in all of the NBA is coming back for the Nets and Kevin Durant. So you have the Nets at nine to one, the Heat nine to one Celtics, 12 to one Raptors. 16 to one. So you can see just right here out of the out of the odds that we're talking about a lot of East teams and only three West teams, because look, if it if it's not the Lakers, Clippers or Warriors, Brett, I think you and I would be very, 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 very surprised if one of those three teams is not the representative out of the West. I'm curious to see if if the Nuggets get any love in the market. If people want to bet the Nuggets at 20 to one to make a similar run they went on last year. I understand it's, it's going to be difficult to, to get by the Lakers and the Clippers who are essentially just going to form the same rosters they had last year, but that's a pretty damn good team. The Mavericks, I think is another team that people are thinking might be able to take a step forward, but I think they're still maybe a year off another player off. I think they're going to need a big, they would need some sort of big free agent signing. This is not to say that Chris Stapp's, is not like a a superstar in this league. He's certainly a very, very good player, but it's not like the LeBron AD combo when we're talking the Luca and, and Chris Stapps combo. If you, if you feel what I'm saying, it's like, it's like you have a 
yes, one of the top, you know, 10, 10, 15 players in the league in Luka, but I don't think Chris Stapps, one, his availability, I mean, it seems like the guy is always missing stretches of games and things like that. It almost feels like for the Mavericks to get over the hump, they kind of need to bring in that third guy. Yeah, totally agree. I, I don't think they're, they're there yet. I think there are some role players away for sure. Were there any of these down further on the list at all? Any of these no. long shots that peak your, me neither. <laughs> no, it's just, <laughs> no. listen, the NBA is a league of have and have nots. And like, when you start to look further down and people are going to make you, listen, there's going to be clickbait articles written guys about why you should look at the blazers at 50 to one, or if, if, if blah, blah, blah puts it together, they could really do it at 70 to one or 80 to one, or it's not going to happen. I can tell you this right now. There, if this championship is not won by the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Nets, Heat, or Celtics, I will, I will, I will quit this podcast, Brett. There well it is. I laid it out. That's high stakes. It's high stakes. I'll quit the podcast. But I'm, it's just, dude, it's going to be so hard in this league to be able to, to beat one of those guys. So, yes, I am. I'm thinking that that's just how this is going to go. Now, as far as MVP goes for the regular season, it's the usual suspects at the top. A couple of guys we just talked about in Luca and Steph Curry, him being back, of course. Giannis is topping it at three and a half to one. Then you have Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron all the way down at nine to one. Kevin Durant at 12 to one. Jason Tatum, 12 to one. So, Brett, when you take a look at these, I mean, you get it. Giannis just absolutely controls the the stat category, right? So, I mean, he is certainly one of those one of those guys where you look and you say, like, okay, I get why he'd be three and a half to one, but I'm not betting a guy three and a half to one. So, is there anything on this? Let, let's just say you had to make a bet on any of these dudes. Where is your money going? I'd want to bet LeBron. I, this guy, this guy hasn't won an MVP in seven years and it's, or maybe eight years and it's mind boggling He's got the same, it's, he's given the same treatment as Bill Belichick. It's like the expectations are so high that even if he, if he, even if he just meets expectations, that's not good enough. How do you exceed expectations of the greatest? So he doesn't get votes from these writers. It's unbelievable. I'm hoping now that he's, I mean, it's hard to say that his career is winding down, but the guy's 35, 36 years old. It's, it's going to be winding down eventually. I'm hoping we start seeing him get, I don't know, get the, get the respect he deserves or like maybe pick up some of these awards that he didn't get a few years ago. I just, I, LeBron James at nine to one when it was him and, and Giannis and nobody else in the running this year is baffling to me. So that would be, that would be my favorite bet is LeBron at nine to one. Yeah, I think if you look a little bit further down the list, I mean, if if you think there's any way in the world the Heat could repeat this performance, I mean, you are getting Jimmy Butler at 60 to 1. I mean, like, I, again, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that they will have as much success this year. And then obviously uh, so many other guys to beat out. But I guess if I'm just looking further down the list, that's about the only guy that I could even somewhat make a case for. But yeah, you just look at these guys at the top and everything just makes sense. I mean, you expect the Warriors to be right back in the mix. So Curry right back in the mix. You expect that, uh, you know, Luka Doncic, another year in the league after what was already just a spectacular season, another year in the league, going to put him right in the mix of the conversation. And, you know, again, uh, maybe the forgotten man, Kevin Durant, I, again, my opinion, second best player in all the NBA 
at 12 to one. I think if I had to bet, I might look towards Durant because I think that there's at least an outside chance that they can make it through the East, which might would get him the, the MVP votes there. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Certainly not betting any of the short shots, though. I, that that I think I can confidently say. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I there might be some value on Durant at twelve to one, but I will he ever be the same Kevin Durant again after these injuries? I I have to see it first. I I think we might have seen the very best of Durant that we'll never see again. Unfortunately. Oh, bold call here by Mr. Colson. So let's remember this for future podcasts. Brett saying the the demise of Kevin Durant is imminent. So we will remember that um, Major League Baseball playoffs, Brett. It is 3-0 in the series on the American League side of things. Rays over the Astros. The Braves are up two to nothing on the Dodgers. Which, by the way, Braves go into that series about about plus one eighty underdogs to the Dodgers and are up 2-0 in that series on the Dodgers. Now let's circle back to the American League side of things. Rays are up three to nothing on the Astros. You have Astros futures tickets. We talked about this. We documented this. We talked about, I mean, yeah, raise futures tickets. We talked about this on the pod uh, tons of times. We, we said how good, you know, everything looked, especially in a short season lining up for this raise team. Well, everything is playing out for you. Then comes weighing the option of, do you decide to hedge at all? Because right now, you could take the Astros in this series at 14 to one. So you could just put a hundred dollars down and guarantee yourself, you know, 1300. If for whatever reason, the most improbable comeback in history happens here, basically with the Rays coming back to win four. I mean, with the Astros coming back to win four in a row and the Rays and this pitching staff, what do you, you know, how do you feel about this? I mean, are the tickets big enough? Because I think a lot of times people say, oh, I don't ever hedge. But, you know, listen, it, it depends on the size of the money and how much the money means to you and your personal bankroll and certain things like that. So is it enough money for you to where at least hedging has crossed your mind? Or is it kind of like, OK, no, it's a nice amount of money, but it's not like something where if I lost out on it, I would feel sick to my stomach. Yeah, let's talk about hedging, guys. I think this is pretty important. I, I have quite a bit riding on the Rays to win the World Series. It is an amount that is just below my threshold of where I would think about hedging out of it to guarantee a profit. But I feel okay with it if they end up losing the World Series. Like you and I have been gambling long enough and have been in these types of situations enough to where we have a higher risk tolerance than most. So like winning thousands and winning nothing is is just kind of a shoulder shrug at this point. Like it still hurts a little, but not like it did when we first got into this, right? I, I feel good about my position on the raise, so I'm not going to hedge out of the bet. And I think this is a topic that's not talked about nearly enough. And I'm seeing it a little more on social media from some of the mainstream outlets like, like Bleacher Report. They post a screenshot of a futures bet or a parlay and they ask their followers, you know, hedge or let it ride. And most of the responses I see say to hedge, many of them say that you're, you're an idiot if you don't hedge and lock up a profit. But I look at this as a fundamental misunderstanding of how to bet on sports, specifically futures and parlays. And I, I understand why people hedge. Like they, they place these long shot futures or parlays and then suddenly they find themselves in a situation where they could win thousands or tens of thousands or win nothing. That's a gross feeling. 
So in the moment, like I totally get it. It's the reason why a company like PropSwap exists. You give betters an out on these extravagant bets, but the process of placing these bets is dicey. Um, I, I personally, I love placing one or two big futures bets before a season and letting it ride. It gives me a fun sweat for the whole season. But my rule with these bets is to look at the final payout if you win and think about the position you'd be in if it comes down to like a game seven in the World Series or if you bet, a, if you bet on a team that win the Super Bowl, it comes down to one game. Think about the money, the amount of money you'd have riding on a single game. Are you comfortable with winning that amount versus winning nothing? If not, you, you got to lower your bet. Like you should lower your bet so that the end payout is a number that you're comfortable with. Otherwise, all you're doing is setting yourself up to pay VIG twice on a single bet. You're just paying the book VIG on the initial bet, and then you're paying again on the hedge. And that's one of the worst things you can do if you're a regular futures or parlay better. So I advise people to take this approach of like thinking about the end result. Uh, even though, you know, the huge payouts, they're sexy. When you get that bet slip, you're looking at tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you're not being real with yourself in most cases because you're not, you're not going to let it ride. You're going to look for a way out. So, well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I, and we've argued about this before. So that's, <laughs> that is Brett's take. That is okay. not necessarily gospel. And, and so for example, if we're talking about hedging, this, this situation has actually set up as perfect for you as humanly possible. Because your team that you have has taken a 3-0 lead. So you are getting the absolute maximum hedge price if you wanted to, right? Like I'm saying, you can bet a, a fractional amount of money and still make a lot of money in covering your ass on the, on the tickets that you have for the raise, right? So that is like... For, for some people out there, and, and here's the deal, the Rays weren't, weren't a long shot, right? They weren't like a long type shot. So it definitely changes as well in the potential payout. Because if you're holding a 40 to 1 ticket on someone that you've put $100 on and that, the, that payout now to some people, again, it's not to all people, but to some people, you know, $4,000 is, is a lot of money, you know? And so if you have the chance to, at the very least, make yourself a steak dinner off of it, it is not really hurt. It is, it is not really hurting anybody's uh, bottom line on something like that. If they pull in 3,500 as opposed to pulling in 4,000. So it all, it also depends on what the odds are in the bet that you're, that you're making as well. Like the Rays were not a long shot to win here. So you're 20 to one. Yeah. 20 to one. So we're not talking about like one of these things where, you know, uh, you know, you're holding a, a 75 to one or something like, like I knew people holding 75 to one heat tickets, right? Like it is silly in that scenario, not to at least guarantee yourself, at least guarantee yourself a nice steak dinner out of that. Whenever you're holding a 75 to one heat ticket, especially when you see how things played out and they're going up against the Lakers in which they had very little chance to win. So there's the, I, I think that there is certainly differing opinions on how to go about something. And I honestly think it's on the, I take the complete opposite side of you. I think it's foolish actually to leave yourself in a position where you can leave with absolutely nothing when you have a chance to, to lock in a profit. Um, I think that's, a, I think a long-term problem, like, because you're, ve you so very rarely get yourself into these situations where you have a chance at a massive payout 
and you're able to lock in a profit like in sports betting that just doesn't happen very often you're so you're we're, we're battling to scrape the 52.4 percent whenever we're betting minus 110 in these games and to have an opportunity where you can lock in a a, a profit is happens so few and far between in sports betting that i almost feel like it's 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 irresponsible not to do that. My my advice would be then to get money down on like division champion or conference champion as well as the, the like the world champion. I just I I the idea of paying twice like double the vig on a futures is baffling to me. I I, I just I can't imagine putting myself in that situation. That's that's the only thing. I, that's just a process thing for me. I just I can't wrap my head around it. I, I like I said I totally get why people do hedge out of these spots, but it's not profitable long-term. That, 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 that's my take on it. Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on, I don't think that there's actually evidence too that it's not profitable long-term because you just don't hit long. You just don't hit futures very often. Like you just don't hit. So it it's, it's kind of one of those things where you're, when you look at this in if you're if you're betting long 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 shots and stuff like that like you're basically trying to hit that one like that one or one a year you know i mean like you're you're if you're betting a, a 30 40 50 60 to 1 type bet that you know you're you're looking to hit that just you know once a year i mean that, because that's about all the time that that's ever going to happen cuz i mean the odds imply you know, there's only so many weeks in a year, you know, there's only so many. So, you know, if, if we're looking at a golf tournament, if we're looking at a tennis tournament, if we're looking at different things like that, I mean, there's only so many opportunities for you to even hit bets like that. Sure. So, so, you know, again, I, I mean, if you're, I think it all depends. You need to, I think if you're listening to this, I would not say that there is a rule one way or the other, and certainly not anything that we can sit here because we don't know your situation. I would say what your situation is, how big is the payout? What is the, what does it mean to your bankroll? What does it mean to your life in general? And, uh, you know, in certain situations and, you know, kind of make that decision accordingly from there. But again, like Brett, like in your situation, right. Um, you don't like to hedge. However, this is set up for the absolute most perfect hedge situation that you could possibly ask for. Yeah, especially if the Braves beat the Dodgers, because then, like, the Dodgers would be a huge favorite again. Well, not a huge favorite. They would be a favorite against the Rays, and I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get plus money on the Dodgers in the World Series if it did. If I did want to hedge, so if the Braves win, I get a, I'll get a better price uh, on the Braves to hedge. But even still, I just it goes against what what I do with sports betting to hedge out of it. So I'm gonna let it ride with the Rays either way. So um, let's go Rays, I guess. Yeah, we need the race. To, we need the race to win. I have no skin in the game anymore, so I am with you. Let's go race. I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for other people that have uh, raised tickets. I'm rooting for for everybody out there that did get down on this team. But again, that uh, series price, as we mentioned over DraftKings, raised now minus five thousand. The Astros plus fourteen hundred on the Braves and Dodgers side of things. Braves minus two fifty in that series. Dodgers plus two hundred. So Brett, this is this is actually flipped with even more. Uh, now that flipped on its head here with the Braves up 2-0. Now, if we do look at that series, however, the Braves had the best chance to win games one and two because they had their two big stud pitchers going in games one and two. The only problem for me is down 2-0, 
I'm not getting enough. I'm not getting enough skin in the game here on the Dodgers at plus 200. Like I would have loved to have come in on the Dodgers. I came in on the Rays when they got down one Oh in the Yankee series, which was, uh, you know, I, I talked about that here on the podcast. Like it just worked out fortuitously for me. I did. I wanted to skip that Garrett Cole game and hope to get better odds, which I did. I just want better odds on the Dodgers down two games to nothing. I understand that from here on out, they should be favored in at least the next two games, but uh, two to one being down two nothing is just it's just not enough not enough juice for me, man. I was also surprised uh, to see this because it's not like they're th- it's not like they're throwing out stud pitchers a stud pitcher in game three. They're going with the Urias in game three. So yeah. I, I yeah I don't I don't really understand this price. I I just think the Braves are a better team. Honestly, like they're just playing much better baseball right now. Yeah, I mean up until that. Up until that late inning heroics last night by the Dodgers, the Braves pitching staff had just been shutting everybody down. I mean, like had just been shutting every single team down that they had that had to at least give the Dodgers a little bit of uh, a little bit of hope as they head into the game tonight to see that they at least could get to this Braves team. But I just at 200, not there. If this thing was like properly priced, this thing should be over three dollars. I mean, it should. It's just it's it's because it's the Dodgers is why it's sitting at two to one. Yes, agree. Like this thing should be over three dollars. If it was over three dollars, I might be interested in the in, in the Dodgers a little bit, but it's not. And so you're not going to uh, you're not going to get anything from me, Brett. I was hoping to be able to give out a pick here on the podcast, sure. but it's just uh, not going to happen at two to one. So, guys, there is a big, big golf tournament happening here in Las Vegas. Yes, two weeks in a row that golf is happening. The the tour is happening here in Las Vegas. It does move from a TPC course, though, now over to Shadow Creek here in Las Vegas. If you have never heard of Shadow Creek, it is a private, a super, super exclusive, highly private course built in the middle of the desert from the ground up. Steve Wynn got together and built, I'm talking, it was dirt out there. It was dirt and sand and nothing else. And they built from the ground up a golf course that is one of the most beautiful golf courses you will ever see in your whole life. And when you watch this on television this week, you are not going to believe that this is in Las Vegas. It is lush with trees and it is super super green elevation changes like elevation changes waterfalls like the whole nine yards it is super super crazy whenever you talk about this golf course and uh it's a 78 player no cut event here 7527 yards par 72 we got some bent grass greens going on out there so if you want to do your research on who likes bent grass greens a little bit better than other people there is a decent amount of water on this course, but like I mentioned, lots and lots and lots of trees, and that's by design. I've actually had the, uh, I've been fortunate enough to go out to this course several times. I have not played it, but I was, uh, did shot a bunch of programming out there. So I've ridden this course uh, multiple times on a, on a cart and checked everything out. And again, it's just absolutely nuts with, uh, with everything. But uh, Brett, like I said, lots and lots and lots of trees out there. And that is by design because they want this course to be incredibly secluded and private. And they want they built it to also be private from hole to hole. So like it's one of those things where there's there's so many trees out here because if you're on hole four, they don't want you to be able to see over on hole six and see who's playing over there because, you know, this is like celebrities and billionaires and athletes and what you know all of that that play this course and so 
by design, just a, a million trees, eight water hazards that are in play on about half of the holes. But I think the only real preview that even the casual golf fan might have is if they would have tuned in to the match between Phil and Tiger, because that is really the only thing that's happened at this golf course where anybody would have been able to see it unless you've had the luxury of going out there or playing it. So it is, there's nothing for us to comp to because there's no course history here or anything like that. It's, it's kind of, we're flying blind into this tournament. Yeah. And there's no course really like this. Is there, I mean, this is, is such a unique course. Utah. Okay. So this is a par 72, 7,500 yards. Does it play like 7,500 yards? That's the, that's, my big question going into this are we looking for guys who can hit long irons well who can crush it off the tee or does this play shorter than what the yardage says so here's here's the thing and this should tell you everything about this course when they redesigned in 2008 and it is sitting in the form that it's sitting right now the course record is 65 out there and the course record is 65 by dustin johnson so he was playing with Wayne Gretzky out there and he <laughs> shot and he shot the uh, course record at 65. So you can see that. I mean, this thing has been in its current form for 13 years now and the course record is is 65. So it's not like one of these courses that you can just go out there and absolutely destroy. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that one, there is still water in play. And that's more for recreational guys like me and you, the, these, these guys don't hit water near as much as we do, but it's still there. It's still intimidating. But the other thing is just because there's so many trees and pine straw and all of that, that like, if you get off, it's not like we saw at the U S open where if you were able to, if you got off the fairway, even though you were in that deep rough, Brett, you still at least had a decent line to getting to the greens. And that's what we saw with Bryson and Wolf and, and all that. Like they were, even though they were in this, this horrible, horrible rough, they didn't have any obstacles to getting to where they needed to go. They're just big, strong dudes and were able to muscle it up there. But if these guys are spraying off the tees here, what, what the problem is going to come into the fact that there's just a lot, there's going to be a lot of trees in the way and they're going to be hitting off a of pine straw, which we know they hate doing a ton as well. And so it, it's still going to favor the longer guys, but it is not going to be one of those deals where you're you can just hit it off and you know for a fact that you're going to be able to get it to the green because you might be hitting from uh, around a tree. All right, good. I'm feeling a little bit a little better about my model now. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't just stack with with the long guys, so that's that's good to hear. So three of the four par threes are 200 more 200 or more yards. There is the signature 17th hole, which is pretty short. It's about 156, but it's an intimidating one. It is a very small green. You can see a big waterfall in the background. When you when you guys see this one on the broadcast, it's going to be so sick. But like it's it's an awesome little hole, but um, but it's a short one. So the three of the par threes are pretty long, but the the 17th is a short one. Five of the par fours are 460 or more yards. One of them is even 500 yards, but the other five actually play at 435 or shorter. There's a drivable hole on the 11th that's a par four. It's 325 yards. So those guys are definitely going to be going for that one a lot. There's, there's, there is scoring to be had, but if you get a rye out there, things could go pretty crazy. But the, the finish to this course, Brett, and why I think this tournament is going to be so awesome, and I hope, that maybe this is something that they keep going. I know this tournament got moved because it usually takes place in South Korea, but hopefully they can get something going out here at Shadow Creek because if you are within a stroke or two, 
you are live in this tournament. It finishes out 16, 17, 18, finishes out par five, par three, par five. So it is like very, very scorable, very gettable, and you can run someone down at the end of this tournament with the way that they have this course set up. And I think can make for all kinds of drama. We know there's going to be live betting odds on the screen for the first time ever with the bet MGM partnership that they have going on out there. I, I, when I say I'm excited about this, it is, you know, not only because this, yeah, it's happening down the road for me and, and all that. And I've been out to the course and I know the course fairly well, but also because of the, the drama I think that could come at the end of this, uh, at the end of this, because when Dustin Johnson, and this is this is a true story, Brett. And this is corroborated by Wayne Gretzky. When he shot the course record, he was standing on the tee box at 16 and he goes, I'm going to go birdie, birdie, eagle to shoot the course record here. <laughs> and he went birdie, birdie, eagle to shoot the course record. And that's like one of those things where, you know, you you can get at these holes on days where there's not going to be a ton of wind. It doesn't look like there's going to be a ton of wind out there this weekend. And so should be very drama filled, should be super, super fun with all of this. So you, you were making a model. What kind of guys were you, were you looking at and what kind of guys were you throwing in? So uh, the, I created kind of a course fit model for players who hit long irons really well. And mm-hmm. I landed on some guys who are down the leaderboard a bit. Probably not guys I'm, I'm looking to win the tournament, but finish top 10, kind of sneak in there. Um, but I'm I'm super excited about this this 16 17 18. Is I saw there there's a there is a par 5 that's 600 yards. Is is that one of is one of them? Yeah, that is, is that the, 16. That is 16. Okay. Yeah. That's I mean that's awesome. I yeah. yeah. I, I wish I wish we had more courses that closed with a par 5 uh on 18. That would I mean it just adds more drama to, it to does. the tournament. It, because you know at least at that point like we're saying if if you're a stroke down there is at least definite drama heading in into these things. I know I just I wish more I really do I wish more ended in par fives as well because you know look you and I are huge golf fans we love the future and the potential for the sport and I think when you have a hole that can be eagled and you could come from two down or you could come from one down to either tie and get into a playoff or to win outright or something like that I think that just adds so much to to the broadcast but Whatever. We're going to get that this week, Brett. We're going to get it this week. We are. One thing we're not going to get is Dustin Johnson, though. He got COVID-19. I, oh, that's so, it's unfortunate. Because we just talked about Dustin is, is the course, or the record, the course record holder, and he is not even going to play this tournament. We're also not going to get Tony Finau. He withdrew uh, due to an injury. So two studs that we're not going to get for this tournament. But it is still, it's still loaded. We're getting a lot of the best players in the world here. Yeah, I guess we actually should talk about the odds yeah, after that long after odds. that long winded yeah long winded <laughs> deal here. So uh, yeah, as as Dustin, I mean as uh, Brett mentioned, just just no Dustin Johnson, but still a huge huge field of stars. John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, Roy McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay are your top five when it comes to the betting odds. Rahm nine to one, Thomas ten, Shoffley eleven, McIlroy twelve, and then Cantlay and Wolf actually both come in wow. at eighteen. To one, Terrell Hatton, 22, Morikawa, 22, Brooks Kepka coming back at 25, Hideki at 25, Berger at 28, and then everybody else, Brett, is going to be 30 to one or longer. And again, this is, it, guys, so 30 to one or longer, but it is only a 78 man no cut event. And so let's go ahead and talk about this, Brett. Like, you know, what kind of guys we were looking for 
when we were trying to pick this without any course history. So we don't have any of that. I kind of started at guys that excel in these short field, no cut events, because I think what we've seen is that the cream really does rise to the top when we have the shorter field, no cut events, because guys can still come back from from way down in these in these events. And and I, we've seen it time and time again. And a couple of guys that just really jumped off the page to me were Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley. And I understand that they are two of the three shortest odds in the field. But Brett, Justin Thomas has 13 PGA Tour wins. And nine of those 13 have come in events that are structured like this one. I mean, that is insanity. Yeah. He just he just thrives against playing against the better players in the world in these type of events. And nine of his 13 wins have come in these type of, of, of tournaments. Yeah, it's hard to overlook that, right? It's just crazy. And, and, we, and, and I go in and look at Xander Shoffley as well. These shorter field events, these no-cut events, he is just constantly in the top five. Now, I don't know if I'd necessarily take him as an outright this week winner, but I'm going to be looking for him in most head-to-heads. I'm definitely going to have at least a top 10 ticket on him, maybe a top five ticket on him as well, because he just thrives in these type of events, has just been has just been absolutely amazing. And you, you mentioned this, uh, you know, does this compare to anything? The only comparison that I have heard from guys that have played both, and so I can't speak to this at all because I've never been to Quail Hollow, but they have said that it's a little bit like Quail Hollow. So if you want to look in your research, I wouldn't necessarily think that this translates again the Las Vegas wind sometimes gets picking up and it gets, gets pretty crazy out there and, and, and all that. But I guess if you, if you did at least want to look at some sort of course history and maybe if, you know, maybe it's a tiebreaker, right? Brad, I mean, sometimes we're like, sometimes we really like two golfers and there's nothing to set them apart. And maybe if you want to go look and see, you know, how maybe one of them has played Quo Hollow before in the past or something, maybe that can be a tiebreaker for you. But uh, that's really the only comparison I've heard out there. That's the Wells Fargo championship. Is that right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. All right. So yeah, previous winners there, Max Homa, Jason Day, Harmon, who is not a long hitter, James Hahn, not a long hitter. Then you got Rory. So kind of a, a mix of, of uh, styles there who wanted Quail Hollow. A little bit of everybody yeah. when it comes to that. Harmon at 70 to one in this tournament. Interesting when you uh, when you see him at 70 to one. Uh, so let's talk about Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa, we talked about this last week, him being a Las Vegas resident. And then he went out, actually missed the cut on the number, but didn't play bad. Could you imagine shooting six under through two rounds, Brett, and then missing the cut? <laughs> How soft was that course last week? <laughs> I mean, like, like you shoot six under and you miss the cut. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So it's not like he played bad, um, but he, his putter was just not where he lost 3.3 strokes putting, which is pretty abnormal for him. But if you look at him over the last 50 rounds, which you probably did in your model and you probably were looking at this, I mean, his, his strokes gained in uh, ball striking, it, it, like he is gaining, he's gaining strokes, ball striking in three out of every four rounds over his last 50 rounds. I mean, like it's just 75% of the time, this guy's gaining strokes on the field. We've talked about what an excellent iron player he is. He does live in Las Vegas. So I can only assume he has played this course a few different times. I, I don't think he's probably a regular or anything, but uh, probably has played this thing a, a time or two. I don't really like the fact that I think a lot of people maybe are thinking the same way you and I, or, or at least I am because 22 to one on Morikawa is a little bit light for me, but 
probably a guy I will at least look to in head to heads. And maybe again, you know, let's, if we're going to put in some top tens and top five tickets out there, I, I really do like a bounce back situation here for Morikawa. I do too. I'm on, I'm on Morikawa quite a bit. I'm actually on four guys who missed the cut last week at the Shriners. And this, I mean, the Morikawa is the top, the top of the list. I think this, this does set up as a great bounce back spot for him. I'm also looking at uh, two guys near the bottom. Well, one guy near the bottom is Brendan Steele. Steele's is, Brendan Steele's a guy I love to play in these, like tough field events. But I think we talked about it uh, at one of the tournaments earlier this year where he finished in the top 10 and I was all over him. He always performs well against the best in the world. And he is elite at putting the ball close to the pin, especially in these longer iron shots. So I like a top 10 from Brendan Steele. I'm also looking at Harris English off a missed cut. But um, man, this guy has been playing amazing so far this year. After the that layoff, he had eight top 25s and nine events. I like him a lot here. As well, and then Scotty Scheffler, another guy who's kind of in that mid tier. I think you can get him at like forty five to one at Fox Bet. He's third between thirty and thirty to one to forty to one everywhere else. But uh, he popped a little bit as well. He hits it far. He can score. Uh, also performs well against the world best. So um, that's that's kind of who I'm looking at uh, of the guys near the top. I think Morikawa is my favorite play of the week, though. Another guy I'm looking at, and this is again not necessarily an outright. Actually, I I'll probably have a a small outright on him just because it is so long. And I do think he has the game here to, to put it all together. I, I'm looking at Sun JM and I know this is a guy that you've, you've loved a, a lot. Our problem with him. And I think this happened before the break. And I think we were right was he was just running himself into the ground. Definitely. And, 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 you know, I think the break helped him. If we take a look, Brett, he's, he's 12th in strokes gained T to green over the last eight weeks. So a guy that probably the, the the COVID break actually probably helped him kind of get, you know, a little bit more stamina and, and be able to keep on uh, producing these high results here. But I mean, look, man, we're getting a guy in M who's infinitely talented youngster, 33 to one to win this thing, six to one for a top five and then three to one for a top 10 on M. His game fits this course. I, and again, his results kind of speak for themselves, right? I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, two top 15s, a couple, uh, uh, one top 20. There was a 28 in there as well. But uh, Sung JM, a guy that I'm going to have some some money on again, maybe not necessarily for an outright, but guys, we, we talked about this when we were talking about the futures bets. Like you don't really make your money golf betting with these outrights. They're more the fun bets. You like to be holding those tickets whenever it does kind of come to fruition, but you make your money on the top tens, the top twenties, the top fives, the head to heads. You have to grind out when it comes to these. And so, you know, M, I don't know if he necessarily wins this thing, Brett, because again, the, the cream typically rises to the top in these type of events. And, you know, if it comes down to him versus, a Rom or a Thomas or a Shoffley or a Roy McElroy, if they're coming down the stretch on Sunday, he's not going to come out on top very often in that situation. But a top 10, top five on M, I bet that I'm going to have in my account and probably bet this might be pretty heavy, actually, for me. Yeah, I like that. He kind of fits the the type of player I'm looking for here. One of the absolute best Long Island players uh, right now. I think he's number one over his last 12 rounds between 175 and 200 proximity-wise. So uh, definitely a good course fit. Uh, it's just it's so hard like these guys have never attacked this course before so i say not not the easiest uh from a predictive standpoint but he he definitely fits in terms of like what i've been looking for uh, a guy that's kind of been out of sight out of mind who's kind of like my last guy that i'm going to be on fairly heavily this week because he took some time off and i think it was probably good again he realized he had just been grinding too hard and wanted to take a little bit of time off 
is Daniel Berger. And this is a guy that you and I have made a lot of money on here, you know, since we've been doing this podcast, because Berger is pretty much a top 20 machine. And, you know, I understand it's not sexy whenever you're cashing these top 20 bets and you're not getting a ton of money back. I mean, he is minus 110 in a top 20 right now. But if you think, if you bet a football game, you're betting a football game at minus 110, guys, and you're getting Berger here at a top 20 position where he is, his game fits this course so incredibly well. He is not short, but he's, you know, not a super big bomber. He's accurate when he's on his, uh, we know that whenever he, he's a scorer as well with Berger. I mean, he's a guy, whenever he gets that putter rolling, can really go out and, and put down some low numbers here. No, uh, no cut event. So not one, one okay round isn't going to completely eliminate him from contention or especially like knock him out of a top 20. Again, if we're talking about like a top 20 bet, uh, one okay round isn't going to like kill, kill him here with all that. So uh, took a few weeks off and I think people might be sleeping on him because he hasn't been around, but, but I love his game and at 28 to one at five to one on top five at two fifty on a top 10, all these type of bets on, on burger I'm in on. Yeah, I am apparently one of the people who are is sleeping on Berger because I haven't even looked at him yet. So I guess I'll have to take a deep dive in him. Well, it's because he, uh, yeah, I mean, well, it was because of those things. Like he he took some time off to kind of rest up, and I think that he hadn't been, you know, hadn't been a guy that's that's been around a lot, you know. And so, but if you take a look, I mean, this guy is like he comes out, he's he, he's a birdie maker, so really do like him. So let's let's talk some guys that we're going to be fading here. And when we say fade, this also this doesn't necessarily also mean don't bet on them but you can bet against them. So that's when we say we're on a, on a fade of someone, you can kind of look at this as not only are we not going to be betting on these guys, but also that we can bet against these guys because there are head-to-heads and group bets and things like that, that different ways that you can kind of go against these guys. I think the obvious one here, Brett, is Brooks Kepka, right? Yes. I mean, he is, this is kind of like, this is kind of like the bet that, I mean, this is kind of like the, the tournament you play when you've taken a bunch of time off and you can come to Las Vegas, you can play this amazing, awesome course. You're staying in a penthouse suite somewhere and it's a no cut event. So you don't have to worry about getting cut. It's not any of that type. Like this is basically like the perfect kind of comeback. Try to get your game back in form before you head and, and, and go play the masters type event for me. I think this is this is Kepka coming out to warm up. Yep. I don't think this is Kepka coming out to win this thing. That's exactly my read. I think this is kind of like uh, try some try some things out, get your game, get shake the rust off. He's uh, is he going to come out and try to win this tournament? I don't think so. I think this is him just getting ready to compete for the Masters in a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it seems like everything lines up, right? Like you come to, like you get to come to Vegas, you yeah. get to play this, you get to play this amazing course that, like, you just don't ever really get to play because there's no tournaments there. You're, you're friggin', it's a no cut event. You're with a bunch of your, you know, a bunch of your the very best players in the world. It's it just everything kind of adds up for me to him to be a, a huge fade in this one. Um, the other one for me, uh, Terrell Hatton, and he's one of the favorites in this tournament, but. Brett, he was not even here last week. Terrell Hatton was overseas winning a tournament overseas in Europe, and now he got on a plane and flew to the United States to come over here and play this tournament again. I think a lot of people wanted to be in Vegas. I think a lot of people wanted to play Shadow Creek because of the course and because of all the history there and everything, and we'll talk about the the history that we're talking about whenever we get done talking about the actual tournament here, but 
um, all the history there, all the things that have gone down. I can't imagine Terrell Hatton winning over there, probably going out and partying a little bit, then hopping on a flight to Vegas and coming out here and seriously contending for this thing. That do- that dude do- does seem like a party guy, right? Yes, yes. He had, I think that's a real thing. Yes, like I think if he won a tournament in Europe and you're telling me he didn't go and party with his buddies, yeah, I would be hard-pressed to believe you. I would be, I'd be shocked. Hard-pressed. Yeah. I, no, I, I actually, I'm shocked that his price is where it is right now. Like he's priced ahead of a burger account well he's priced the same as a Colin Morikawa that's insane to me that's like I think yeah. he's an auto fade the question is anybody is anybody gonna bet Tyrrell Haddon uh I don't know I mean maybe see a lot of people might look at recent form and go oh he won last week yeah, well maybe. good and like not even look and see that he won last week in Europe that he had to like get on a plane and fly 13 hours over here you know to to come and play this tournament so uh, yeah. Anyway, he's going to be a fade for me. I, you guys, if you want to roll with it, if you think that him winning in Europe is a, is a signal, go right ahead. He's going to be a fade for me. I'm be betting against Tyrell Hatton every single time that I get the opportunity. And, and uh, Brett, I hate to say this, and it feels like we're like kicking a dude when he's down. But if there are head to head options to bet against Jordan Spieth, I'm going to be doing that as well. This is a no cut event, so he can't get cut, but he's missed three straight cuts out on tour the dude had lost his, he was able to at least put up respectable rounds because he was still such an amazing putter. He couldn't, he couldn't hit the ball off the tee. He, his irons were absolutely horrible. His short game was terrible, but he was still making putts, which at least kept him somewhat respectable. Now he's not even making putts, Brett. Like he Spieth's game is just, it's just dust right now. It is. The, the putting is the last thing you can rely on to keep you in tournaments. So yeah, now that you know variance is he, you know he's on the negative side of variance on the putting side right now, and that's obviously not going to be very good for him because this guy cannot hit it off the tee, and that leaves him he, he you know he's not elite anymore. He's just not there. He's a hundred to one to win this tournament in a seventy-eight player field. So he's he's not in the the same category as some of his buddies there, Berger and Justin Thomas. So you there is a head-to-head listed at DraftKings: Spieth against Cameron Champ. Oh. And- and, I love champ. and so just to just to let you guys know, one, that's the type of pairing that you get with Jordan Spieth these days is is a pairing against against uh, Cameron Champ. But Brett, that uh, I'll go ahead and make that one official here on the podcast. That's getting in my account. Yeah, champ's have, like champ's a guy I'll I didn't mention. Over I, Spieth. Yeah. I love Cameron Champ this week. Another guy who's just awesome with his long irons. The guy can crush it. So I got to yeah, if that's available to me uh, here at my my uh, my book. In Buffalo, I'm gonna have. I might have to go bet that one. I imagine it will be. It's uh that one, that one at, at DraftKings here. So definitely look for that one, guys. That is one I love, love, love. And uh, again, there's gonna be no cut event. Multiple. All that means for Spieth is there's an extra two rounds for him to to, to just spray the ball all over the all over the place. So um, one of the other and look, I understand it's uh it's not inc- an incredible edge here. I will be taking Justin Thomas over Roy McIlroy in a head to head. I will be taking Morikawa over Matthew Wolf in a head to head. It's actually plus money on Morikawa against Wolf. I like Wolf, but. Um, this is, I think that he's gotten a little elevated here because of his finish last week. The course over at TPC is nothing like this course yeah. at all. And so I, I think people are kind of like, oh, he played in Vegas last week and he was uh, he was in a playoff to win. He was, but that's not, uh, that's not the case. Berger is in a pairing with Terrell Hatton. That is going to be an auto play for me. You get Berger actually at even money where you have to lay the juice on Terrell Hatton. 
And then the final one for me, Brett, uh, Sung J M is in a pairing with Tommy Fleetwood and Tommy Fleetwood has not finished in the top 30 in his last five events. Tommy Fleetwood, who we were talking up thinking that maybe the break was going to be good for him and he was going to be able to come back over here and, uh, make some noise. That has not been the case. He is not in recent form, especially playing over here in the States. He did have a good outing over overseas, but it's a, playing over here in the U S he's just not been to form. And we already talked about the reasons we like Sung Jay. So uh, Sung Jay in a head to head against Fleetwood, I will have Sung Jay in my account as well. I'm looking at one here at Camby. Sung Jay plus 45 against Justin Thomas. What do you think about that one? Ooh. I can't bet against I can't bet against Thomas. Like I, I can't bet against Thomas in this thing. I I I mean, if I have to pick somebody to win this thing, I'm going to pick JT. So if I think the guy's going to win the damn tournament, it's probably hard for me to to bet against him. But uh, yeah. you know, look, it's a uh, it, it is certainly it is certainly a, an event that we are going to be all about, guys. And we highly highly recommend that you tune in because, again, as we mentioned, this will be the first time in history that a PGA event. We'll have live odds being updated throughout the course of the tournament. This uh, course is now owned by MGM. So their partnership with the tour through a bet MGM standpoint anyway, just made this all come together here. And Brett, I'm you and I both have talked about this. This is the future. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been talking about. This is why we are so bullish on golf and the future of golf and golf betting. I just pray they don't go over the top with this since it is the first time. Ease it in there. Don't make it over the don't like every single time a guy goes to hit the ball, be like, oh, yeah, he's minus one oh eight now. And he's like, like, don't don't do that. Just let let the people start to make it feel more normal before you shove it down their throat. I fully agree. The the tiger uh it's a tiger lefty match at Shadow Creek. That felt a little forced the way they were jamming odds into that. I, I it didn't feel natural. So yeah, I I'm with you. I hope they do ease ease this stuff in um and not get just make sure you have the right guys talking about it too, because then it's just, if, if not, it just becomes awkward. You got guys who don't know anything about betting, trying to work odds into their, you know, what they're talking about. It just, it just doesn't work. So yeah, hopefully they do this the right way. Cause it, yeah, this is, we're, we're heading to where we have talked about where we want this to go. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, talk about it early, just from a hey, fun standpoint, second round, third round. Look, if you want to really work it in the broadcast, where you really work it in the broadcast is 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 in the fourth round. It's the round four. It's like who's winning the head to heads. What is the, what are the live odds for someone to win the tournament? Different things that like if, if, that's where if you want to go hardcore, it at least makes a little bit more sense and people can understand why you're working it into the broadcast a lot more because this it the tournament is going to be decided that day, and so the, all of these odds that you're seeing are actually coming into fruition and coming into play. I think if we're talking too much about it in these early rounds. My fear, Brett, is that people are going to be like, well, I mean, you're talking about this today, but like this doesn't even happen like this. This doesn't even happen for another three days. I, I just I think people who aren't betters when you're talking about a futures bet that doesn't cash for four days from now, it just it, I don't know if it tra- how, how well it's going to translate. Yeah. And, and some of these announcers on the P, especially PGA Tour Live, the way they've, they've butchered some of the, the cut line stuff. I just I I'm worried. <laughs> I'm just right. I'm a little worried, but um, at least we're we're getting there. You know, we're making progress. Um, and the reason we were talking about this course, guys, and saying how, you know, these guys really want to play this course. And, and we were kind of tongue in cheek and laughing and saying that 
you know, that this is uh, uh, such a famous course, even though maybe you're listening to this, you never heard of it, is because this course is absolutely the number one course in the world for gambling. And some of the highest stakes matches that you have ever seen, ever heard of, or ever rumored to be had have happened out at this course. And it is one is because it's so super exclusive and people can't see who's playing with who and what's going on. There's a famous story from uh, Tiger Woods. The first time he ever played this course as a kid, he actually did run up on the next group in front of him. And it was Elizabeth Taylor that was playing, you know, out in front of, you know, out in front of him. I just talked about the course record was, was DJ playing with Wayne Gretzky out here. There's um, when you go to the course and you go to the locker room, I mean, it's just celebrity after celebrity after celebrity with lockers that are there. Apparently George W. Bush used to keep a fishing rod in his <laughs> in his locker because of all the water out there. There's fishing. He would just like go fishing and things like that. I mean, it, it really is. It's crazy. The stuff that's going on at this course. There's a story of of Adam Scott and uh, I can't, man, it was Adam Scott and one other, I can't remember if it was Fuzzy Zeller or someone was playing out there and they ended up pairing up with Phil Ivey. If you guys know, Phil <laughs> Ivey is a, you know, one of the most successful poker players of all time and guy likes to gamble. And so ended up Phil Ivey wanted to play for uh, more money than they wanted to play for. And then they were like, finally gave in next thing, you know, I think it got up to about 10 or $20,000 a hole that they were playing for. And uh, it just, uh, it, it, this course really does. It has some, it really does. The, these guys know it too. Like they know there's this, this aura, this, this lore, it's almost folklore about what goes on at this course from from week to week, day to day, because it's the richest of the rich. It's the celebrities. It's the, you know, super high athletes and things like that that are that are that are playing this course on the regular basis. And so uh, it's it's something else, Brad. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's the first time we've really gotten a glimpse into at least I've gotten a glimpse into what this course really is. Like I've played the course on video games, but let's see what it really looks like. Uh, Yeah, I'm pumped. All right, guys. So uh, no Thursday Night Football, as we mentioned, just run through the NFL news here. and We'll talk about if that means anything to us. Dak Prescott, of course, that injury just absolutely gruesome. It's going to be a long road back. Feel for Dak. I mean, whether you think he deserved the money he was asking for or not, he definitely didn't deserve an injury like this. Alex Smith takes over uh, for Washington last week as well, who kind of comes back from, you know, his super gruesome injury with all of that. That being said, it does look like they will go back to Kyle Allen there for the for the Washington football team if uh, he's able to go. But as far as the Cowboys, Brett, going to Andy Dalton. So this is the reason the Cowboys signed Andy Dalton, because they felt like they had a team that could compete and they wanted to have a backup to where if something happened, that they were going to be able to still compete. One of the craziest things, I think, for me of the week was the look ahead line in this mm-hmm. Cowboys game against the Cardinals was was the Cardinals uh, plus three and the move to Andy Dalton now has the Cardinals all the way as two and a half point favorites in this game, a five and a half point move in this line from from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton. And look, I understand Dak Prescott's really, really good. But when you look, it's not the offense that's really the problem of this team is the defense. And so 
Andy Dalton with those three wide receiver weapons and Ezekiel Elliott lining up in the backfield and all that. I mean, is that worth a five and a half point move? No. It seems it seems like a, a gross overcorrection, right? We, yeah. Look, we'll be diving into this at length on Friday. This will be one of the games for sure we'll be talking about uh, a lot. But I think this is, yeah, an overadjustment for sure. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, I think, didn't it move to three? So it moved like all the way from one key number to the other. Yeah, it's been pinging back and forth between three and two and a half. That's yeah. crazy. That's yeah, it, crazy. It's, yeah, it's just the offense isn't the problem for the no. Cowboys. Like Andy Dalton can find one of those three receivers. Trust me. Like it's just it's the craziest trio of receivers you're ever going to see. So that's not the problem. It's just the it's just the defense here. So, yeah, anyway, if, if you thought on the look ahead that the Cowboys were a decent play at minus three, then I would get all over the Cowboys at plus three. But yes, we'll talk about that a little bit later. The Jets went ahead and released Le'Veon Bell and and Brett. That didn't take long. We heard rumors they were trying to trade him before the November 3rd deadline. And they just said to hell with it. We're just going to go ahead and release him. Yeah. Not surprised at all to see that. And I'm also not surprised they couldn't get anything for him at that contract. So it's, it will be interesting to see where he lands though, because you know, he is at least at the very least, he is at least a third down pass catching back that we know has really, really good hands. And with today's NFL, even if he's not your three down bell cow back anymore, if you can put Le'Veon Bell in to catch passes on third down, I, you could be doing worse. It just depends on how much of that contract you're going to have to absorb and and all those things. But yeah, if, if he lands anywhere, that'll be interesting. The Falcons fired Dan Quinn. Maybe it was a season too late, but after going 0-5, they did fire him. The Raiders beat the Chiefs outright in what could only be described as the biggest shocker of the NFL season so far, Brett. And I went back and rewatched this game because we've talked before on this podcast about my my setup. And I've got a pretty good setup. I can watch six NFL games at a time at my house. Well, there were seven early games on Sunday, and the one I didn't put on was the Raiders <laughs> the and Chiefs because I didn't because th- I didn't think it was going to be a game. I'm yeah. like, I'm not. That's that's the game that doesn't get a screen. So I had to go back and rewatch this game uh, via the All 22. And you tell me if I missed something in the All 22 of watching this game, but it just actually looked like a Raiders beatdown of this Chiefs team. It did not look like it was all that much the Chiefs' fault as it was just the Raiders just beat them. They're a different offense when they can spread the field with some of these speed guys, for sure. And they didn't have that against the Bills last week. I think Henry Ruggs was out two weeks, but man, does he add a different element to this offense. And Carr, Carr has looked good. This offense is actually pretty damn good when they have all their pieces in place. So that's a team to watch. Uh, potential playoff team, I think, in, in Las Vegas. Yeah, that was that. Watching that back, that was certainly something very interesting. Seahawks, Titans, Steelers, and Packers are your only undefeated teams in the NFL. Brett, as we sit here rolling into Week Number Six, which with that, what that has done to the futures odds. The Chiefs still your favorite to win the Super Bowl at four to one Ravens five and a half to one. But now you're seeing Seahawks at eight to one. Now you're seeing Packers at 10 to one. So these numbers continue to fall on those teams. Falcons, Jets, Bengals, Chargers, Texans, Jags, Broncos, Eagles, the football team, Giants, Lions and Vikings, Brett. All of those teams at one win or zero wins on the season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who yeah. is the best team of that bunch? 
Oh man, uh, what was that list again? Uh, just the absolute worst teams there. I ah, man. So there's a couple of there. There's a couple. So I think it would be a, a question of four of the teams as who you think is the best. So it's it's Falcons, Jets, Bengals, Chargers, Texans, Jags, Broncos, Eagles, football team, Giants, Lions, Vikings. I think the question Lions. probably comes down to Lions, Vikings, Chargers, and Texans. Agreed. Of those four, who who is actually who is actually a good team? Who is a team that can actually maybe still make some noise despite the fact that they sit at, at, at one or zero wins? I think it's one of those four teams. But the Chargers now, when you look at the, the division that they play in, that they've dug themselves in this hole, now the, the conversation, I think, shifts to more the Texans, Lions, and Vikings. Can any of those three teams make any noise? I, th- I think there's a lot of value on the Lions right now. Look at this schedule coming up for them. Jaguars, Falcons, Colts, Vikings, Washington, and Carolina. All those games are winnable. They got the Colts at home. I think all those games are winnable. So, you know, they've gotten through the really tough part of their schedule early in the season. I think the Lions are a team that I'm going to be looking to bet uh, weekly, but also, I mean, is there a futures market for them right now? I, they, I, they can't to make win the, the division, playoffs, can they? To make the playoffs is plus 520 on the yes. I kind of like that. So plus 520 on the yes. And as we remember, it's an extended playoffs this year as well. So they do not have to win the division. It is an extended playoff, three different wildcard teams. Yeah, that's a bet. I'm, man, I, I'm intrigued. That's a bet I might actually make this week. Coming off the the buy. The the Texans are too hard for me to buy into, um, long-term on this team. Look, they looked much better with Bill O'Brien out of the picture, but uh, hard for me to buy in on. And with this Vikings team, really, uh, Brett, I I think they were starting to kind of figure things out, kind of starting to put things together, but they've dug themselves in such a hole now that it's going to be just very, very tough to, to dig out of. I, I don't know if it's, if it's in, in the future for them. I mean, they are plus 420 on the yes to make the playoffs. Yeah, I would pass on that one. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just too much for them to to dig out of here. Um, so we're going to keep monitoring, guys. Look, the season rolling on here. We'll talk on Friday. We'll run through the games. Uh, it is, uh, if you tailed us last week, Brett, we're, when we do terrible, we're going to call ourselves out. If, we're, if we do good, we'll, uh, we'll let everybody know. If you tailed us last week, it was impossible for you to lose money. Yeah, we both went five and zero, and we both went five and zero in circa last week. So uh, good job, us. And you are absolutely crushing this circa contest right now. (laughs) Uh, We gotta, we gotta, we just gotta, we gotta pray that this keeps on going. But yeah, it's uh, a nineteen and six right now. So it's uh, I am I am T eleven in that thing. Like that's uh, that's not very far off of the million, Brett. So we've got to, yeah, yeah, we've got to, we just got to keep on keeping on here, and hopefully play this thing correctly but um yeah we'll have the full breakdown as we do every single friday with uh brad joining us as well so be sure and tune in for that and hopefully hopefully you'll be cashing some of these golf bets as well it's going to be an awesome tournament and we're looking forward to watching that along with you guys of course as always all the written breakdowns over at the lines.com playpicks.com so be sure check that out and of course we have the youtube channel as well guys so be sure and subscribe to that thing so you always get notifications of every time we put up 
new bets on that channel. Not to pat the old self on the back here, but we are crushing right now. If you are playing these, if you're watching these videos, we are we're crushing. We're winning a lot of money. So might keep up, might not, but at least for at least for now we are. Hopefully, at the very least, you are taking away actionable information because that's really all we're trying to do is bring you stuff that can make you a better better for brett i'm matt talk to you guys in a couple days